This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstyles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by Black Belt CBD. If you're into CBD products or you want to try CBD products, go to blackbeltcbdproducts.com. Use promo code THEPODCAST25. You'll get 25% off. They ship within North America. This is more geared towards your athlete, but if you have aches and pains or sores around your body, this is more of an ointment of rub-ons, lotion, stuff like that. It's nothing you ingest or smoke. It's purely you just superficial. You put it right on top of your skin, just rub it in, and it does wonders. No THC. Well, less than 1% THC, I guess I got to say that. Less than 1% THC, so no one will get high, so you don't have to worry about that as well. So go visit blackbeltcbdproducts.com. And if you're into nerd culture and you like collectibles, now that everything's starting to open up, you could probably do curbside pickups and stuff like that. But if you're still scared to go out, you could go to firstrow.ca. This is a Canadian company I love to support out of Winnipeg, Manitoba. If you use promo code THEPODCAST20, you'll get 20% off. They got everything from comic books to signed sports memorabilia to wrestling figures. And they update daily and they ship within North America. And for all you American listeners, everything's in Canadian funds, so you'll get it at a little bit cheaper rate. And if you want to support me directly, you could visit my merchandise store at tpublic.com. Or if you scroll down on your device, it's embedded right there in today's description. Click on the link. It takes you right to the merchandise store. I got everything from hoodies to t-shirts to travel mugs to pillows to literally anything you need or want. It is there. Go support the cause. And if you don't want to support me monetarily, totally understand. The most easiest and the most Perfect thing you could do for me, honestly, is better than anything else that I just said off the top. Rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms, most specifically Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So, this week's guest is the author of the upcoming Resident Evil book that I can't wait to get my hands on, honestly. Writer Philip J. Reed. Hello, Steve. Thank you for having me. Not a problem. Thank you for coming aboard. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. How have you been handling the pandemic? Now that it's sort <laughs> of, I don't know if it's coming to an end or if it's just going to get worse, or but everything's starting to open up, at least here in Canada it is. I don't know whereabouts you are, but how, how have uh, you been I'm going? in Denver. Okay, um, perfect. 
and yeah, honestly, like this, the whole thing has kind of gotten out of hand. Um, as you probably know, we set this entire thing up as sort of like, you know, marketing for the Resident Evil book, and it just, yeah, sort of took on a life of its own, and that's unfortunate. Yeah, no kidding, right? And what timing, like, again, you said writing Resident Evil <laughs> during this whole thing, did, did you sort of get the, the heebie-jeebies, as they say? Yeah, it's, <laughs> so, um, you know, we can go into it, of course, uh, in a bit, of but, you know, writing a book takes a long time so i <laughs> i was working on it back when they announced um the resident evil 2 remake oh, it was wow. at e3 or whatever when that trailer came out and okay. i thought oh what a shame if you know one year later this could tie in really nicely you know resident evil uh people would be paying attention to it right. and that obviously didn't work out which is fine and then they did the resident evil 3 remake mm -hmm. that was a little closer which is great but yes of course um the one thing that really syncs up nicely is a pandemic. And that's <laughs> like, it's so it's, it's funny, not in a haha -ha sort of way, right, but it's just like this weird kind of coincidence that you wish wasn't happening. But right. here we are. Yeah, no kidding. Well, before we get into Resident Evil, when did you start writing? When did your whole career of writing begin? <laughs> I was very young. Um, honestly, mm. we might be talking about like, the single digits, maybe, oh, wow. maybe 10, yeah, like maybe 10 or 11. I wasn't okay. writing anything good, I can assure you of that. <laughs> sure. Um, I do, you know, I bet I could figure it out because um, whenever the movie Jurassic Park came out, oh. I went back, I was, you know, I was a little kid, I went back and I read the novel okay. and I loved it and I thought, oh, you know, I've never read anything for pleasure before, so I wrote and I, I wrote really terrible stories there, there was nothing redeeming about them whatsoever okay but i wrote and it turned out to be a pretty fun hobby oh my god so when did you first make it like when did you want to make it your career so to speak let's <sighs> god you know it's it, that's a fair question but it's a difficult one to answer because okay. writers don't make money so okay, gotcha. uh you know when <laughs> when did you want to make writing your career it, it's right. it's very fair but also like slightly misleading because um i didn't think i would ever make a living at it and okay. it's been probably about 12 years give or take that oh, wow. writing has actually been you know my income and i awesome. i say that like still surprised at the fact i'm so grateful for that mm -hmm. and i know uh you know a lot of people in the arts can't say that i i don't know i i feel like i've earned it but at the same time i'm fully aware that i'm lucky so when uh i don't i don't want to say when did you get the idea for resident evil because i'm sure you had this around in your head but when you said it was at e3 but when did the actual thing come all together when when was the big boom when you're like okay this is actually going to get made <laughs> um i my big boom thinking it was actually going to get made was um, when Boss Fight Books contacted me. They had, oh, okay. this goes back, I think, three years, give or take. Um, they had an open pitch period. Basically, you know, hey, anyone out there that wants to write, tell us what the heck you would write. Sure. And I had a friend who was very interested in submitting something, and mm. uh, he did, ultimately. Um, okay. But he tried to convince me to submit a pitch as well. And in my brain, you know, I'm running through... I love boss fight books. I, I was already well familiar with them. So I'm right. running through in my head all of these obscure games that maybe I could 
write about that nobody else would pitch. That way I'm not up against anybody else. You know, if they want this game, it's got to be me. Sure. And nothing really, like, stuck out. Plenty of games came okay. to mind, but nothing I really wanted to write about. Okay. And I... And again, we can kind of come back to this part, but um, sure. Resident Evil ultimately came to me. I couldn't get it out of my head. I thought, all right, I'm going to pitch this. I know a thousand people have pitched this game before, but I'm going to pitch it anyway. Okay. And I pitched it, and they bought it, and I learned when they bought it that I was the only one who had ever pitched Resident Evil. Really? So, <laughs> which is very surprising to me. Right? I would have thought, I don't know. I, I, I can't even think. When I was a kid growing up, mm-hmm. um, I had a computer, and I loved shareware and all that kind of crap, and <laughs> most of it was awful, and I had this game called Aldo's Adventure. Okay. I'm sure you've never heard of it. Of course not. Okay. <laughs> You're better off. It was a Donkey Kong clone, oh, and it was okay. really poorly made oh, no. to the point that Aldo, the little Mario guy, sure, like, you could... Um, I played it enough to figure out the glitches, by the way. So you could, like, jump onto platforms and just barely make it. And if you did, right. his feet would erase the platform as he walked. Oh, my God. So, like, my friends and I would play this game and move Aldo around and try to erase the entire stage. That was the game that we played. Okay. And that is the sort of thing that I <laughs> that I thought I'd have to pitch to Boss Fight Books to oh. be the only one who ever pitched it. <laughs> but it turned out to be Resident Evil, which it, it still boggles my mind. That's crazy. So how much input, because I, I had Rayon Ali on and he wrote the NBA Jam book and uh, I, I forgot to ask him this. How much input does Boss Fight Books have when you were writing your book? Do they say anything? Do they suggest stuff or do they just leave you alone and they just edit it after? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. And I can, I can answer it for me. I don't know if he would have a different answer and I'd actually be fascinated to know because his book's right? on a very different life than mine. Um, but I pitched the idea okay. and when Boss Fight uh, agreed to it when they when they purchased it. I was on the phone with the editor, Gabe Durham, super nice guy. Okay. And it was more than just, you know, hey, will you do this? What's the time frame? It was, what are you envisioning? And he asked me a bunch mm. of follow up questions, and we talked on the phone. I sent answers by email. It was um, very collaborative. He wanted Ooh. to get a very clear view, basically, of what he was buying, which I think is totally fair. I sat down and wrote it. <laughs> that one sentence, of course, covers about three years, but. I sat down and wrote it (laughs) and um, sent them the draft, and I got unquestionably the most uh, constructive feedback I've ever had as a writer. It was – not all of it was pleasant, mind you. Some some of it still – it kind of stings, um, but that's okay (laughs) because what they were doing, they were refining my vision. They had a really good idea of what I could do, and if I turned in something that wasn't – there um they let me know and and they resequenced a few things they let me know what to focus on um in favor of other things and once you get over that initial rush of um feedback you know where where you just kind of tense up and you think ah it sucks being a writer once you get past that and you actually take their feedback into account um it ended up being a really valuable process so yeah, it was kind of a give and take. Um, quite literally, I would give them a draft. Okay. They would very respectfully and constructively give me their feedback. And I'd say there were probably about four major drafts. And within that, just a bunch of, you know, copy editing and right. moving things around. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I like it when it's more... I 
but I'm sure that some people, and I'm not saying you would be one of those, but I'm sure I've asked this question before to other guests, and they would probably say the same thing. But you always know there's some corporations or some people behind pulling the strings, and they want it a certain way, and you're like sort of forced to go along with the train. You know what I mean? Pull the line, so to speak. And it's good to hear that now there's so many companies like Boss Fight Books that work with the artists, and now you see artists like you said, you yourself are one that are actually can make a living off of what they love doing, right? Absolutely, and you're exactly right. Um, what do they call it? Uh, like design by committee, where somebody has some creative idea and they come right. in, and you've got twelve people in a room, exactly. and they know what sells, so they make their adjustments and they change it. And now there's right. a love interest, and let's have a <laughs> exactly. you know, have a CGI dog that raps because the kids love that. Sure. And okay, now it's no longer the thing that the professional creative person wanted to make. Exactly. Um, and you know, as a writer, a director, a musician, any of those things, if you're taking it seriously, you know you will have to face that at some point. I have had to face it many times. Right. But in this case, man, it, that could not have been further from the truth. And I do want to emphasize, um, you, you know, when I said you tense up, you get the feedback and you think, oh, boy, it's um, it was all for the best. I, I, having made all of these edits and worked with them on these subsequent drafts, the book has only gotten better. That's awesome. And yeah, they did that because I wrote it and I thought it was pretty good and they took pretty good and made it much better. And we went back and forth getting better each time. So I think, I don't know, for editors out there, if they want advice coming from someone who just dealt with a few editors, um, you know, it prove your worth as an editor, which they did. They were making improvements. They weren't meddling. They weren't, um, I can't even imagine what it would be, but they weren't saying, okay, don't talk about this topic. It might offend somebody. Like nothing like that. Okay. That's cool. That's so cool. So how long did it take to write the book from start to finish? (laughs) Uh, Start to finish was probably about three years. Wow. Yeah. Maybe a little less, but it's, it's in that ballpark. So what are we looking at page wise for people who don't know? Can you save? Can you even say that? Oh no! I, uh, it, theoretically, I can. I just don't happen to remember offhand. I think it's like one ninety-eight. Okay. Um, yeah, that's about the uh, most basic question I should be able to answer, and um, <laughs> I'm guessing it's about one ninety-eight. Well, it's it matters to some people, believe books. it or not. Like, especially myself. Like, I unless it's a very something like uh, like I'm a huge Stephen King fan, so now I'm kind of contradicting myself and his novels are huge but I, to oh, me, they the, are, yeah. the perfect novel is anywhere from 100 to 150 like that's the sweet spot for me i find really yeah because because then i could read more and get through more because we're in a again day of age of so much entertainment that i don't have time to be fixed on one book for because it takes me and it's not that it takes me forever i don't read as much as i used to again yeah. because of everything that i'm doing now in life right so there's so much other stuff to to take up my time but now it takes me roughly i don't know a couple months to read like a book literally so I want to go through it fast. And I find out the longer the book, it just drags. And again, it just takes forever. And so again, that's just coming from me. No, I think that's totally fair. And um, no offense, but (laughs) Stephen King has gotten me a few times. Uh, Those long, long books, it's a time investment. And there's no worse feeling in the world. I've experienced every feeling, so I can say this conclusively. There's no worse feeling (laughs) than reading a book, you know, that's a thousand pages or pushing a thousand pages, finishing it and realizing you got nothing out of it. Right. And you know, like, uh, I have this thing with Stephen King where he frustrates me. Okay. He is so 
creative. Right. He has second to none. He has the absolute best horror concepts. I think so. And I don't think, I know this will be unpopular. <laughs> I don't think he's the guy to write them. He's an excellent ideas man, oh, but in the execution, I, see what you're I saying. think he kind of falls down. I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's true. There's a few. Like to me, my favorite of all time of his is is The Stand, and I loved it from start to finish. And I don't. I think there was a TV adaptation on it. Yeah, there was. And I didn't enjoy it too much because, again, uh, what is the best Stephen King screen adaptation? If you oh think God. About it? Um, so th- actually, yours? that ties into what I was saying. Um, he has these ideas, and I think that he's been very well served for the most part by okay. directors taking those ideas and fleshing them out in different ways on screen. Sure. Um, people always say, oh, the book is better than the movie, as it's as though it's some kind of universal truth. Right. And I think Stephen King proves it's not a universal truth. I would take The Shining as a film uh, a thousand times before I would take the novel, which I, gotcha. I don't know. I, I didn't think the novel was that good. Um, but then again, I saw the movie first, so who knows. I would definitely say that's sure. the best Stephen King adaptation. Okay. I also do like Christine, though, because I like John Carpenter. Uh, to me, it would probably have to be uh, the original Pet Cemetery. Mm-hmm. Or that's a good choice. Uh, uh, what's the one where they're in jail? Oh my God, Shawshank Redemption. Oh, okay. Taking a step back here because <laughs> my brain was in horror mode. You're absolutely right. Shawshank Redemption is awesome. Right. I did read the novella. God, ages ago when I was a teenager. I don't remember if I liked it or not, but I do remember reading it because it had Rita Hayworth in the title. Mm. Um, And what was the other one? Oh, Green Mile. Oh, Green Mile. That's a good one, too. I read that as it came out. It was... um, ah, You you would have loved it if if you like books under 150 pages. They were like little tiny um, volumes, I guess, that Uh, came out. I think there were six of them, and then when you read the whole thing, there you go, that was your novel. Exactly. And... Yeah, it was so cool uh, to go to the – I had a drugstore within walking distance, and I'd go there with my pocket change to pick up the new Green Mile. And, uh, Hmm. you know, it's not one of my favorite books or anything, but it's one of my favorite memories. That's so cool. Yeah, I owned the actual set. I think my wife owned it, and then when we got together – that's how old these books are. We've been together for almost 20 years now, so you know what I mean? And I still haven't read them because, again, I watched the movie and then – I don't know. I, I'm not one. Of, I have to read the book first, then watch the movie. If I re, if I watch the movie, I don't want to read the book. It's, that's just one of my things, I guess. Really? Yeah. It's it's weird that way. Like I I, I just can't. I'm the other way around. Like even now, what I'm I've shunned away from the horror because I used to love reading horror. Now it's more video game ad- adaptations. Of so to me, the world's already in my again. Maybe because I'm getting older and my memory sucks, and I probably have no imagination anymore because of fucking technology. <laughs> But I like to know the world before I go into it, so, so to speak. Like, you know what I mean? For video games. Yeah. But for movies, it's the total opposite. I want to go in fresh. Uh, it's, it's just weird. I don't know. That's it. Well, everyone has their preferences. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So uh, what about you? Do you other, obviously, we'll get back to Resident Evil, but are there any other video game adaptation books that you love to read or have read? Um, well, Resident Evil. But also, <laughs> um, what was it? Near Automata. What's this? Has, oh, are you not familiar? It's a no. really, really good game from this generation. Okay. And um, I, I loved it. It was one of those games that you play it and you enjoy it. And then when you finish it, you keep thinking about it for weeks and then months and then years. Okay. And like it, it just, in all the right ways, it got to me. So um, I found that they had 
two books, one of which is a novelization of the game. Another is a bunch of short stories in the world of the game, oh. and they're written by the creator of the game. Okay. So um, I picked those up, and they were really good. And this is going in the opposite direction, but after playing The Witcher 3, I went and I bought The Witcher books. Oh, wow. And I know they, they came first, but um, it was really cool to um, read the books and, like, see the differences in how the characters were portrayed, but at the same sure. time see how the game was faithful. It was really cool. Yeah, one of my favorites was uh, Assassin's Creed. I don't know if you saw mm. these. Uh, who was it now? Uh, who's the author? Uh, Oliver Bowden, I think his name is. I've heard good things about that one. Very I have not good. read any of the novelizations, though. And I, it's and it's and we talked about this off air before too with S. D. Perry and the Resident Evil books. It's literally word for word from the video game into book form, and that's what I love because again, it's it felt like I was playing the game again. Like you know what I mean. So to me. That's what made it so interesting. It is really cool. And um, she does, well, she takes liberties, of course, as any writer would. Course, but yeah. she actually does some, like, really smart stuff. Um, like, for instance, Resident Evil 2, it's on two discs, and you can play as Claire or Leon. And then, right. you know, you can do one first and then the other. And if you switch it around, things happen differently. Exactly. And she, like... Um, she flips between the two protagonists in the novel mm -hmm. in a way that's actually, it feels really natural. Right. And you would think something um, that a game does that's so specific to games wouldn't translate well, but it, it does. Um, and I remember in the first novelization, she cut out a few of the puzzles, and I can't speak for her mm. on this, but I think she cut them out because they were the puzzles that sucked. No. You know, <laughs> I wouldn't doubt <laughs> like, it. With the car battery where you're running it right. back and forth, power the lift. Like, that's right, that's right. <laughs> I think she just knew, you know, one, it, this sucks in the game. It's right. going to suck even worse for somebody yeah. reading this. So I remembered that. I, I read it as I did research for my book. Right. And what she did is she just had Jill, like, jump down the shaft. And, right. like, narratively, that's it's just such a smart decision to snip out that whole repetitive exactly. backtracking stuff. Um, I don't know. I, I think the books are actually kind of fun. No, they really are. And even uh, how many, okay, how many were there actually based on the video game? And I think she also released a couple, two or three that were original ones as well. That's correct. She, um, there you go. she released two of them that were just basically her own invention. And right. I did interview her for, oh. uh, for my book. Nice. And, yeah, it, it was such a cool interview, and she I, – I don't know if this would even matter to you either way, but I'll, I'll say it because it's, it's very nice. She is such a sweet human being. It's <laughs> – I don't know what you would expect from someone who wrote Resident <laughs> Evil novels, right. but she is just such a warm human being. And uh, we had this whole long conversation. It was a really good interview, and I plopped it in the middle of my book, and one of the drafts – remember, I told you, these were right. not always um, – bits of feedback that i enjoyed but they were making the book better one of the bits of feedback was to get rid of that chapter really? and i yeah, oh, and no. i didn't um i fought i fought i fought to keep it in there okay and i knew i was fighting a losing battle because they were right it really did interrupt the flow it didn't mm. tie as well into everything else as i wanted it to okay um so i i agreed at some point i, I relented we took it out and for the Kickstarter backers, they actually put together um, uh, a collection called Nightmare Mode. Oh. And what that is, is a bunch of, um, I don't, I don't want to say lost content, additional content, I guess, okay. from Boss Fight Books writers about their games. Okay. So 
we took what I had, that big long chapter uh, in which I interviewed S.D. Perry, mm. and we reframed it a bit, you know, changed the intro and conclusion, and now it's a standalone piece. Wow. And it's so much better where it is now. Um, but, you know, I had to fight because I'm a writer and they expect that of me. <laughs> well, you also got to interview some of the actors and voice actors on from the original game, right? That's correct. Everyone um, that is known, because not all of them are known, oh, okay. uh, and that is alive, with one exception. Oh. So, yeah. So you got him. Yeah, out. it was really fortunate. Even uh, what about the guy who, or did you ever even find out the guy who does the original Resident Evil voice? Did you get him? I sure did. That's Shut one sex up. thing. And uh, right, so <laughs> I'm going. I'm making my notes. You know, who do I want to interview? Okay. Who do I want to find? Right. And you know, you start with just every name. Okay. And Ward Sexton, like he says the characters' names as well oh, in the introduction, okay. but people only remember him saying Resident Evil. Of course. And that's fine. And I thought, you know, should I even bother reaching out to this guy if people only know <laughs> the two words? I reached out anyway, because why not? And I'm so glad I did. He provided so much background. Really? Not only, yeah, oh God, way more than I would have expected. Oh, so God. much background about that specific project, Resident okay. Evil, right. about working with that same group of voice actors on other projects, oh. and about voice acting in general in sure. Japan in the uh, in the early nineties. Like it was so fascinating. He, he just wove this entire story that I didn't know existed, and uh, and that's all because I decided to reach out to the guy who said two words. So it worked out pretty well. I, no kidding, and I don't want you to reveal everything because obviously I want people to buy the book. But uh, the stories of the early ages of video—not I shouldn't say the Stone Age, but the, like the PlayStation One era, especially when yeah. it was like sort of the wild, wild west. Like you know what I mean? Everyone's trying stuff for the first time. The crazy stories of just the uh, punk rock, I guess, mentality of people just going out and trying shit, and you wouldn't even think of what people had to do to put this video game out. Like, you know what I mean? It's just crazy. It's not like how today where literally everything is done within a cubicle because we have the technology to do it that way. Right. Right. And you see, um, uh, the, the last of us is on my mind because I okay. think tomorrow is when the sequel comes out. Like right. you'll see these clips on YouTube or in documentaries of these voice actors like Troy Baker, you know, like, um, Nolan North, these really yes. big names. And they're, they're in a sound booth, and it's also professional and polished. Right. And they're really, really good at what they do. I want to make that clear. I'm not trying to put them down at all. I think they're fantastic voice actors. But, like, everything is just so slick and well done now. And you'll have mm -hmm. the voice actor also do the motion capture sometimes. Like, there's so much cool stuff going on. Right. And you'll read the Resident Evil book, and you'll read about, you know, how they recorded these things. And they're basically okay. in a broom closet and they're climbing over each other to speak into the microphone, and it's, you know, <laughs> 120 degrees in there, and nobody can open a door. Crazy. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. I can't wait to read that part. So we touched a little bit about you interviewed some people, So and you said this wasn't even going to be in the book. So what is, without ruining it, obviously, what's the synopsis of this book? What's it all about? So um, I don't think it's ruining at all. Uh, thank you for, for asking. It's... I would say it's twofold. Okay. I know um, you're obviously familiar with the NBA Jam book. I don't know how familiar you are with Boss Fight books beyond that. No, that's the only other one. Each each book, and this is honestly what attracted me to them, so I'm glad this is coming up. Okay. Each book is really, uh, it, 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 it has two halves. Okay. I shouldn't really say halves because each book is balanced differently. Right. But you have the information about the game, about um, 
you know, its its context in the industry, about its critical reception, about right. you know how it shaped things, all that wonderful stuff. And you have some personal journey that goes along with it. Mm. And my book, we have all of this wonderful Resident Evil material, all this making of, all of this oral history that comes from people who were there, which as far as I'm aware is the first time any of this has gotten out. So I feel very privileged um, to have done that. But you also have this journey that I took um, where I used to hate horror as a kid. I oh, couldn't wow. stand it. It was it was beyond just being scared, okay. which is obviously its intention. Right. It was repulsive to me. Oh. I, I couldn't stand that horror existed. Sure. And now I love it. And Resident Crazy. Evil really was that turning point for me. Oh, wow. And you get to experience that part of the journey as well. And I, I hope that came across um, in the book because I think that's something a lot of people... Um, who were around when Resident Evil was released, I think that's, they, they witnessed a change. Yes. Um, and one of the things we get into with the critical reception at the time is that not everyone understood it, not everyone liked it, of course, but man, everybody knew this game was important. Yep. There was not, <laughs> you, you had reviews that were cautioning parents not to let kids anywhere near it. <laughs> right. and, <laughs> and they still weren't dismissive of the game. I think everybody knew that was here to stay. Yeah, you, you talk to anyone, if they don't put Resident Evil on their top 10 video games of all time, of anyone in, in the series, doesn't have to be the first one, obviously, because my favorite one is part two, and we'll get into the, the video games as well. But sure. you have to have this in your top 10. It's one of those, it's like a Grand Theft Auto, Resident Evil, like these are Super Mario, these are the games that made what video gaming is today, right? I would absolutely agree. Um, you know, like everyone has their top 10s, and I, I, I know you're, you're being... Um, deliberately flippant and that's fine but like (laughs) yeah if you were gonna look at the most important games if you're gonna look at the turning points unquestionably i would put resident evil there and yeah it's not even my favorite in the series but it belongs there yes exactly okay so when is the expected release date because the one thing i do know about about boss fight books is they sort of release uh blocks so to speak or seasons of books so it's not just one release it's in conjunction with others is that correct that's correct. And we just finished um, the Kickstarter for Season 5. That's, okay. that's the one I'm a part of. So those books are coming out right now. Actually, oh, wow. I think perfect. it's July 7th, I believe, is the official release date for Red Dead Redemption, which is the first book. Nice. Um, mine is the second book, so that'll be August, assuming nothing is delayed thanks to the virus. Um, right. But I don't have a specific date yet. It should be August, though. Oh, that's so. Other than uh, what would you say, Red Dead Redemption? What else is there in your season? Uh, we also have Silent Hill Two, nice. which I haven't read, but I heard that that is a really good complement to my book. Okay. If that encourages anyone to buy both, great. But you know, I, I don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> right. I haven't actually read it. I'm sure it's great, but I haven't read it. Um, there's also Majora's Mask, oh, which okay. I have read at least an earlier draft, and it was very good. Nice. And uh, Final Fantasy VI. Oh, nice. Those are all great books. Damn. Oh, yeah, it's a it's a hell of a variety there. So what's next? Everyone always has what's up and coming. If you're a true artist, you already have the wheels in motion. What do you want to do next? <laughs> well, uh, it's it's a valid question. My whole life, I've written as a hobby. I've written fiction, and some of it's been published. Nothing in any major outlets. Nothing too okay. large. It's only been short stories and such. But sure. I, I've wanted to write fiction. And this was the first work of extended nonfiction that I've ever written. It's also the first thing anyone ever bought. So okay. that means something. And I 
I don't know. I, I kind of get the sense from this experience that I have a skill that I can bring to nonfiction, and I do have a few topics nice. that I think I would like to cover. I, I will not reveal those yet, but I think <laughs> I think my next work will probably be another work of nonfiction. Oh, there you go. Can't wait for that as well. Now, video games. Are you a gamer yes. at heart to begin with, or are you just into Resident Evil, the video game? <laughs> Oh yeah! Overall, I'm okay. I'm definitely a gamer. In college, uh, because I was attending college, I kind of stopped playing. That was the GameCube era, I think. Okay. Um, so I did play a little bit. I remember playing Wind Waker and Pikmin, and that was about it. Um, and then I got back into it after college. It was uh, it was a hobby I definitely missed. What about currently? Are you any? Are you keeping up with the games? <laughs> Wish I could say yes, but man, my backlog is uh, enormous. <laughs> Um, I'm working right now on Xenoblade Chronicles because that just okay. came out, the remastered version. Sure. And after that, I'll get to Control, which I think came out last year or two years ago. So yeah. I'm not very far behind, but I'm far enough that I'm out of touch. Well, now, as of this recording, uh, the Sony press conference happened. I don't know if you were if you saw anything that came out of there, but are you looking forward towards anything that's upcoming? I know, if, well, in a perfect world, if you had a chance to play it right away. How about that? <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, there were a few. You might have to jog my memory because I was working while the stream was on. Okay, so Resident the, Evil 8, obviously. Yes, there's that um, one. There's the uh, Spider-Man. Oh, Hitman 3. Oh, Hitman. God. There's another one. Yeah. Yep, that's the one. You know, we're talking about Resident Evil. I wrote sure. a book about Resident Evil, but my choice is going to be Hitman 3. Really? Because, yeah, um, the rebooted Hitman series, you know, one and I think two came out two years ago. Mm-hmm. Those, I don't know if you played them. They are masterpieces. Oh. I adore those games. Oh. Um, so three, I don't know. It's not like a huge surprise that they did another one. Yeah. Um, but I'm really, really happy to see it. And yeah, I would dive into that tonight if I could. Oh, see, now that's where we disagree. Finally, a disagreement. We were doing so well. I hate stealth. I hate the, the Hitman series. I hate anything like that. I'm, I'm not into it. I just can't. It's just not my thing. I'm more of a run and gun, beat em up type of guy. If it involves oh, stealth okay. or thinking, I, I think too much for work and I think too much to come up with questions for the podcast. <laughs> so I don't want to think when I'm playing video games. <laughs> you know, and that's totally fair. Like some of my other um, favorite franchises, like Mega Man, you know, exactly. you, just, you go in guns blazing and Thank that's you. fun. But uh, <laughs> Hitman, for what, again, the, the new rebooted series right. hits me in a way that other games just don't. There's something so mm. satisfying about these little environments that they create and these little routines that all the characters go go through. Right. And you, know, you can pick a weapon or an obstacle or something to kill somebody and you mm-hmm. have to get them into that situation and not be seen. And everything, of course, goes haywire because it's very difficult. But you play again and again. And, like, eventually you finally do get mm. – um, I'm speaking in the language of cinema. I almost said um, <laughs> you, you get a take, you know, where everything is perfect. Right. But I think I do mean that. It, it really is like putting together this, you know, outstanding set piece for a, for a film when things actually come together. Oh, no, trust me. I totally get it. I just don't have the patience or the mental capacity to deal with it. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Okay. My favorite that I saw that came out of that uh, Sony conference was uh, the new Horizon Zero Dawn because I played the original oh, and I loved it and I wanted more. And now this, I, I was hoping it for the PS4, but I'll take it on the PS5 because then when I eventually get a PS5, at least it'll be a greatest hit. So I'll get it on the cheap cheap. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you can really look far ahead with that. Um, 
Yeah, Horizon Zero Dawn was great. I expected, uh, one of my coworkers asked me, like, if you had to guess one thing that they're going to show off. And I guessed it would either be a Horizon 2 or um, God of War 2. And I ended up betting on God of War 2, and I was wrong. Right. Well, but you know that's coming down the pipe because the last one, the last one did so well, and they left on a cliffhanger. Spoiler alert if people haven't played it, but I guess it's not really a spoiler. But it's a cliffhanger, so you know there's a second one coming. So look forward towards that. And now, what about Grand Theft Auto being on three different console generations? That thing is right. (laughs) That thing is all over the place, and uh, I don't know. I'm fine with it. Okay, Grand Theft Auto. I I know it's come very far, but. Whenever I hear that name, the first thing I think of okay. is playing a cracked version of the original game on my computer. Oh. And, you know, the top-down of course. perspective, and you, like, run over the nuns, and you get... Yes. It wasn't an achievement back then, but it was, like, a score bonus with right. some kind of title on it. And uh, <laughs> or maybe, I don't know, maybe they were Jehovah's Witnesses. I don't remember what they were, but it Probably, was clearly... Clearly something you weren't supposed to be doing, but right. the game encouraged it, and that was fun. <laughs> so since then, I popped back into the series okay. just like to treat it as a sandbox. You know, you do enough missions to open up the world, of and course. then you anger the police and have a high-speed chase. And I, I kind of lose interest after that. Uh, see, you know what? I'm sort of the same way. I got to have – and kudos to Rockstar because they keep pu- pumping out – different packs and stuff for online play so there's always different stories and stuff going on but if there's not a campaign or an actual end to something i it's i'm the same way i lose interest because then it's sort of you're repeating yourself but mind you the multiplayer aspect is different because at least you have different scenarios play out and you could do different shit and cause all kinds of destruction if you want right but again that gets a little bit boring after a while too you know what i mean like i love pizza but would i eat it every day no No, you're exactly right. Um, And yeah, like there's fun to be had in the online environment there. And uh, that just for some reason reminded me of Red Dead 2, which I also Mm. finished recently. And I didn't even touch the online there. I'm just not, I'm not really interested in it. There's only one game that I remember playing constantly online. It was like my Call of Duty. And that was Mario Kart Wii. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's different though. I would come home from work and just play that for hours. Oh, don't worry. During this lockdown, because me and the wife can't go out now and stuff, that's pretty much been our Friday or Saturday night routine. We sit in front of the Switch and play Mario Kart 8 online and have some drinks, and the rest is history. <laughs> it's such a good series. I you know, I hope your relationship can withstand it, because I know it gets a little tense sometimes. Oh, no. she's uh, and I know she's listening, and she's going to kill me for this, but she's accepted that I'm going to whoop her ass every time. So. <laughs> That's exactly as it should be. <laughs> All right, now back to Resident Evil. What's your favorite? Okay, this, it's so different because you have the earlier games that are strictly horror, and then you have the later renditions that have action horror. Okay, and what do you even think? Okay, before we get into anything, what do you think of the transition from going from the stealthy horror into pure action towards, well, maybe not the most recent one, but or the remakes, but you, you know what I mean, like the, the six and seven? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it, that actually comes up very briefly in the book, oh, okay. and I refer to that, m- my turning point, I put it between Resident Evil 3 and 4, um, I compared that to sort of the transition between Alien and Aliens, where oh. they're both, they have completely different approaches and atmosphere, gotcha. but they're both considered to be very good, um, okay. and at least I, I can speak for it, I, I like them both. My preference is Alien. Because I like the kind of slow build, I like the tension, and uh, 
that's fine because other people have a different preference. Of course. And it's so rare that um, uh, a series can serve two masters. And you have Alien and Aliens, which did it. Mm-hmm. You have the early Resident Evil games and then 4, 5, 6, which to some extent also did it. And you know, and now it's reinvented itself again to be a first-person horror um, experience. And it's astounding to me how well, not always, not at every <laughs> step, but overall how well Capcom has handled this series. Yes. Because, man, how many evolutions can you go through and still make people happy? It's so true. And all the different spin-offs, even, like the side ones. Like well, There was that action one, uh, speaking of multiplayer, what, what is it, Raccoon City or something like that? Oh, Operation that, Raccoon City. That's yeah. it, right? So they had they tried to go it that way. They even had, I think at the time, some kind of uh, sh- uh, shooter on rails as well that came up for the oh, Wii, yeah, if I'm not mistaken, Wii, right? Think. So they just spun off and did all kinds of crazy shit. And look, they're still here today. They're still doing their thing. And obviously, we will get into the movies too. But what's your favorite <laughs> of all time of the games? If you had only one choice to play this one for the rest of your life, which one would it be? That's a very easy question. Okay. Go for it. It's the Resident Evil 1 remake. Oh, re- the remake? Yeah, that is that is my my choice for the perfect horror game. Oh, okay. I love it. Yeah, there's a whole chapter in the book. You know, we, we focus on the 1996 original Resident Evil. Right. We touch on Director's Cut and um, Biohazard. Like, you know, the different versions and how those differed. But the one... The one thing that's not part of that original release is the remake, and we devote an entire chapter to that just because it really does deserve the attention and the discussion. Oh, wow. Yeah, I would not expect that. Usually people would say two or four is what I usually find what people say. Oh, and those are totally fair. Don't get me wrong. Um, Of course. But yeah, I got to go with the remake of the original. Oh, okay. See, again, I didn't get... I played it because I got it on PSN one month when it was free, and I don't know how far I got, but then I think I got to the sewers or something, and then I just couldn't play anymore, and I was like, ah, I just can't. I don't know. There was something about it. And part two, I played that one too, the remake. It's, I think, as perfect as a remake can be, if that makes sense. Uh, yes. Right? Um, I see exactly where you're coming from. And I, for, for the most part, I agree. I only disagree to any extent because I prefer the remake of the first one. But uh, man, that remake of Resident Evil 2 is so damn good. It's it's better than than we deserve, frankly. I think so. And I haven't played Part 3 yet, and it's been out for a little bit now, and I'm sure the reviews are out, and it's great too, and I can't wait to touch that one. And I just wonder if they're going to just do this down the line. Are we going to see a Part 4, a Code Veronica? Oh, God, please, Code Veronica. Right? I don't think 4 needs to be remade. No. Like, not from the ground up, at least. Right. But um, Code Veronica, I thought was really good. It was a sleeper. That is the one... You know, growing up, like, you, you play the games, and then someone else says, oh, part three is out now, and it's also yeah. good, so you try that. And Code Veronica is the one, at least in my circle, no one ever talked about, so I just assumed it was the crappy one. And I finally played it a few years ago for the first time, and I adored it. I thought that was such a fantastic game. Now, we have to touch on it, too. The movies. Wah, wah. <laughs> well, we don't have to. Well, okay, I'll, I'll, put, I'll put my two cents in. I really <laughs> loved... And believe it or not, maybe because I'm a fanboy and it came off as being a so-called Mark, as they say, but I loved the first one until the ending. And then it just went all fucking crazy for me because it was sort of trying to keep with the video game story while introducing Alice and all this other crazy shit, sure. But it still had remnants of the original, like the mansion and all that, right? 
But then the other ones, it was just, fuck you. What are you doing? Get out of here. Let's just get someone else to start doing these movies. I don't know if those are your thoughts as well. <laughs> My thoughts on the movies are very um, disorganized. Okay. It's, <laughs> I, I don't hate them. But man, I find them hard to like. And we can come back to the first movie in a moment. Okay. But right now, it's on my mind, and I need to vent to somebody, and, Do it. and you're the target. Um, <laughs> in the second movie, right. we have Alice, of course, from the first film. She comes back, and that's I have nothing against Alice or Mila Jovovich or anything. I right, think she's right. great. But in the second film, we meet Jill, and I don't know who the actress is, but she's such a good Jill. She's right. so good, and we don't get much of her because she's not the protagonist in the movie and mm. that is so disappointing to me right not because oh we're stuck with alice but because they also hit upon like a really really good jill and we don't get a movie with that jill i know you know at, so at the true. center at least no it's right and it's again it's right there it's so easy like just follow what sd perry did like <laughs> just rip her off literally word for word and put that on screen because that would be so amazing to watch that now I don't know if it's still going to happen because of everything that's going on in the world too, but I heard they're, they're going to remake the movies. Is that true? Have you heard any of this? I have heard that, and believe it or not, that comes up in the book. Oh, um, well, I'll be touching yeah, on everything. I don't, know if, <laughs> I don't know if it'll happen. I did right. read, um, I think it was in Variety, I did read something okay. about that. For all I know, it was still just a rumor, but it's out there, and frankly, I think that they should, yes. and I'm going to say that and then take it back. I'll say they should because it's Resident Evil and everybody loves it. And if people are dissatisfied with the movies, give them ones that they'll like and right. you've got you know, free money. Exactly. But I'll take that back because we, we already have like two, <laughs> two Resident Evil movie series. I don't know if you've seen the CGI movies. Oh, but, yes. Um, I was just going to bring that up. They should just follow yeah. what the animated films did. Like there, I think there's three of them that came out and... You have everything. You have like Leon in some of them, Claire, you even have Ada Wong, like all these Chris Redfield, obviously. And yeah, like those are so much fun. Right? I like those. Movies. I love those ones. And now I'm even thinking, because I was on a podcast the other day, shout out to them, uh, Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks. We I, They had me on and we were talking about the Castlevania series on Netflix. Mm -hmm. And I think if Resident Evil went that route, that would be pretty awesome too. Yeah, I, I agree entirely. And I think um, Castlevania has done a really good job of um i don't know like again like pleasing both masters i have i'm not the biggest castlevania fan i like it but i'm not yeah. huge about it um but it, it pleases people like me who just kind of know of the games and maybe enjoyed one or two and it seems to also please like the diehard fans of the games so i don't know I, whatever formula they're using to put that show together if you could apply that to resident evil i think you you would have a hit I think so too. So, gun to your head, who's your favorite Resident Evil character? <laughs> yeah, okay, I do have an answer. It took, okay. took me a moment, um, <laughs> but I'm going to also give you an honorable mention. Sure. <laughs> My honorable mention is uh, Parker from Resident Evil Revelations. Oh, wow. I thought he was awesome, and okay. I don't know why they never brought him back. Sure. But <laughs> my actual answer, it's uh, it's got to be Rebecca. Oh, okay. Yeah. And there is there is part of me that I will acknowledge this. There is okay. part of me that just remembers in my formative years sure. thinking Rebecca was cute. <laughs> so, so that part of me, you know, that's, that still lives in me somewhere. Um, but since then, as an adult, I yeah. don't know. I, I think Rebecca is 
one of the more interesting central characters. Right. And I know she got Resident Evil Zero, which is which I also like. Yes. I'm not complaining about that. Right, right. But I do. I kind of want to see more of her because she's she's smart and she's capable, but yes. she's not um, a brute like Chris is, uh, you know, or a gun nut like Barry is, yes. and as, as acrobatic as Jill can be. Like, she, she's a little more grounded in reality in terms of her abilities, right. and I think that makes her interesting to me. No, truly, yeah, those are good picks. Mine, I would have to say, Jill Valentine, of course, to me, she's just, and especially back then, to see a woman kick out. Again, this is probably oh, yeah. around the same time that Tomb Raider came out as well, right? So you're starting to see all these female protagonists come to, to the forefront, so that was cool to see. And I, I hate to say it, but I also love to say it because I'm a huge wrestling fan and I love the heels. And Wesker just does it so well where you want to <laughs> wring his neck and it's like, this is perfect evil bad guy. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's hilarious how um, he differs, of course, by appearance. But uh, right. every so often they just push him into cartoon villain territory. And it's... <laughs> I love you know, it. As a kid, I probably couldn't appreciate it. But right. now... Yeah, I love it. It's it's so cheesy and delicious. <laughs> now, did you... Okay, this is how big Resident Evil is. I don't know if you're aware of this. Of all the different merchandise that's around the world, they have Resident Evil-themed restaurants. Uh, have you heard of this? <laughs> no, I have not heard of that. You could literally go in and it looks like the... What's it called? The the stars uh, from... Well, uh, was it part two of stars or part three? Where you're in the police station. No, no, oh, slipping um, my mind. probably part two, a little okay. bit of part three. So you could eat two. in the actual Stars Police Station. There's something like that. You could eat in the bar or that little convenience store that right at the beginning where you start off in part two as well. Oh, right. So they have themed restaurants like that. Obviously, they have action figures. They have, we've talked about it, video games. Just everything. And now, I don't know if you're starting to see this, stuff being manufactured, as I put up quotations, by the Umbrella Corporation. <laughs> I'm not familiar with this. Yeah, so you could find, like, if you Google it, you'll see that. But mind you, it's just people putting stickers on stuff and then reselling it as Umbrella. Like, there's a smart car. They took out all the smart car labels and just put Umbrella everywhere. So that actually <laughs> looks like an Umbrella car. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So this isn't Capcom licensing out. No, not oh, at all. Okay. This is just the fanboys going crazy out there. And, but, but this is what I mean. Like, what else do they have? I think... Um, at one point in time, there was a Resident Evil Universal themed in Orlando for Halloween. They did one night there or something, or even in Tokyo. I don't again. I, I, my memory is horrible. This is all stuff I read years ago, but <laughs> it's crazy how it's just literally something that's a worldwide phenomenon, right? It is, and it's um, it has survived long enough that yes. it can benefit from from nostalgia, I guess, for lack of a better term. Okay. Because you and I, we are extremely old men at this point. <laughs> yes. so, so we remember when the original came out. <laughs> uh, yes. And, you know, that's an experience. People talked about it. It was in the news. Like, that's fine. Right. Now, we are very old. And the generation below us gets new games while we are still um, fond of the series. Right. And there's not too many series that have survived that long. There's Mario and Zelda. Um, there's Resident Evil. I know. It, maybe Street Fighter? Like, there are a few, but I don't yeah. know. As far as ones that reliably get games, if you, especially if you like horror, it's Resident Evil. You know, Silent Hill isn't going to get anything for God knows how long. 
Yeah, no kidding. And uh, what was uh, Dead Space was doing it for a little while, but then now they're done too. And I heard rumblings that they, yeah. they might be doing a comeback. And to me, that that was oh, I loved it. It was Resident Evil in space, right? <laughs> they were cool games, and it was. Uh, I think they only had three like proper games. I, I know there was so a too. Wii spinoff and yeah. maybe something else, but it most likely. Yeah, you you get this neat little idea, and then it just. Well, I was going to say it just dies, but it, it, EA killed it. That That is a little bit different. Yeah, true. So are uh, are you up, not upset, but do you like the trajectory Resident Evil's heading in? Because, again, it could get sort of convoluted. Like, at first it was a simple concept. It was just one T-virus. Now it's blown up into a worldwide thing with, like I just mentioned before, with Umbrella being involved, conspiracies this, and then biohazard teams and special agent units. <laughs> Like, do you like more towards that end, or do you like the simplicity when it was at the beginning? I'm going to answer you honestly, but with two different answers. So. Mm. Go for it. <laughs> My preference, without any question, is the simplicity. Okay. And maybe the fact that I, um, the remake of the first game is my favorite, maybe that ties into this too. <laughs> but the idea of exploring this creepy old mansion and solving these puzzles. And then you find what's happening underneath right. that really appealed to me, me too. to the point, I will confess <laughs> to the point that when resident evil two came out, I didn't care about it oh, because wow. I saw, oh, you know, who's this cop? Who's this woman? This is they're, they're in the streets. This is no longer resident evil. Gotcha. So I was a very early purist. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, sense. you know, my preference is definitely single location. It's also why I like revelations. Actually, it's on the boat. Um, yes. But yeah, single location a with a really focused and intense atmosphere. Having said that, I am fully aware that that is not necessarily what leads to a successful series. So yeah. even though I would love 50 games in that vein, we was we wouldn't have Resident Evil anymore. No, it, we true. only have it because it evolved and evolved again and will probably evolve at least one more time. Of course. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't know. It's <laughs> personal preference the simplicity of the first game but overall i am in support of what they've done because i think they've handled the franchise really well yeah i'm sort of like you too i love I obviously of course people know the simplicity i love simplicity and everything and to me that's perfect but again like you said you have to attend to everyone or else it wouldn't grow and whatever but now that it's become this juggernaut they could also go back and do side stories and go back to that storytelling like you said revelations is a great example of that where they could have this little secluded story within the resident evil universe and still satisfy everyone's needs yeah, that's, I don't know, it's it, it's funny, because talking about this, I'm realizing my hypothetical, oh, okay, we'll do 50 games set in this one location, you know, I, I threw that out as kind of a joke, but that that was Silent Hill. You know, how many games <laughs> did we have, True. Um, you know, where you would have the, uh, the same landmarks, and you would have the same monsters right. coming back, and when you first encountered them in whatever game, they made sense, but now they're just there because people recognize them, gotcha. and now Silent Hill is dead. And had it come back with PT, whatever that would have grown into, it would have taken a completely different approach, obviously. Right. Like, I, I think at some point, somebody realized we can't just keep cranking this out. Nobody wants it anymore. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I am grateful that Resident Evil didn't only give me what I want. All right. Well, before we get to the Damas of the Week, one last question about you. You also have a website called Noiseless Chatter. What's this? That's me. What's this all about? When did this start? When did you get the idea for this thing? What do you do on there? Started, I think, about seven or eight years ago. And what I did, I just created the site as an outlet where I could 
just just write junk. I told you oh. that writing was a hobby, and I would do it even if it wasn't very good. Right. Um, but yeah, I actually ended up building an audience there. I write things that nobody else would want. Nobody would pay for. Nobody would want to print. Okay. Just really, really long and in-depth um, deep dives into horror movies or into every episode of ALF or into a bunch of books that I've read. And I don't know why <laughs> there's an audience for that, <laughs> but there ended up being one. So I, I'm not going to complain. Oh, that's awesome. And do you update it daily? Are you on there regularly still? Or is it just one of those websites that's just there to be there? For a long time, it was at least once a week. And okay. uh, I have definitely slipped out of that habit thanks to writing the book. But um, yeah, now that the book is done and dusted, I can get back to that. Awesome. So it's where people can find it. What is it again? Noiselesschatter.com. So go visit, support the cause, people. Philip's a very good man, as you could hear. And obviously you update everything there about your book and your releases. That's probably the best way where people could find your book, or do you have somewhere else where people could go? Uh, that probably is the best place as far as finding information because I'm still posting stuff about the book, um, sort of behind-the-scenes information okay. uh, about my process. So sure. that's fine. You could also just go to bossfightbooks.com. Uh, you can um, get the book there and all the other books. I'm not... I shouldn't be dismissive. I'm not, I'm not trying to discourage people from doing that. Right. It's just if you go to my site, you get more information as you read about the book. Perfect. Ready for the dumbass? I am. This week's dumbass involves two men from the state of Virginia. Okay, uh, let's see if I could... Uh, this is even hard. I can't even segue into what we're talking about because this is just... I don't, and I don't even know if I've done anything this stupid, and I'm sure you haven't. Okay, well, how about this? Uh, I've, I've asked this question before to guests, and I've had a story, and I just thought of another one off the top of my head. But as a child, or even as an adult, if you want to share, it's up to you. Have you ever stolen from a store? <laughs> as a child, yes. Okay, perfect. We all have. Like I said, I have done it. I've shared a story where I've, I actually stole a, a Ninja Turtle action figure once because my mom didn't want to buy it for me. And actually, now thinking of it, there was something else. Because I used to love the flavor of watermelon, and it will tie into the story. People will know what I'm talking about <laughs> soon enough. But as a child, I told this to my wife, because I passed by 7-Eleven the other day, and, I was, and it just came to me. I don't know why. Maybe because I was a horrible child, and I suppressed a memory. Yeah, but anyways, probably. I used to go to 7-Eleven and get Slurpees, right? But as I would, I would fill up the Slurpee, but I wouldn't fill up all the way. And then I'd walk through the aisles and grab like the 5-cent gummy bears and the 5-cent foots and put them in the Slurpee. <laughs> but not pay for those and only pay for the Slurpee. And then I'd have a treasure chest at the end of the Slurpee. Wow. Yeah, you were pretty bad. <laughs> right? Oh, that's horrible and I'm laughing. Anyways, so these two idiots of this week decided, I don't know why, there's so many other ways. Okay, they robbed a store. Guess what they used as so-called masks to rob a store? Oh, as masks. I thought yes. you were going to say, what did they use as, as a weapon, you know, pretending it's a gun, but a mask. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say a diaper. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> nope, not a diaper. These idiots spent the time to hollow out a watermelon and put it on their heads. That's amazing. Is it? Come on, yes. man. No, I, I, I take issue with you calling them <laughs> the dumbasses of the week. I think, okay. I don't know how this story ends, and you can tell me, but... Sure, go for it. I, <laughs> I think you can... The, the evidence won't really work against you, because okay. I think a watermelon is too porous to hold fingerprints, mm -hmm. so I think you can rob the store, okay. 
throw the watermelons into the woods or whatever, it will obviously uh, um, biodegrade. But yeah. even if they find it before it does, one, they would have to know that was the mask. Otherwise, it's just a watermelon rind. True. And two, yeah, I don't think your fingerprints are on it. I'm all for it. Now, what about the comfortability factor? Do you think of this? <laughs> well, well you got to make some sacrifices. Um, if you're robbing stores, I don't know what their specific um, you know lives are like, but if you're robbing stores, you're probably not counting on it to be a luxurious experience you're, you're probably you know let's see like when you're mountain climbing okay okay sure you, you want to have all of the right equipment i'm sure given the choice you also want to be comfortable but sure. the more important thing is you have all the right equipment so if you know I carrying guess. your pickaxe is uncomfortable and the bag is too heavy on your back like that just tough bananas because you signed up for this and i think yeah, like I, I think it's okay that the watermelon wouldn't be comfortable because they know that they're this this isn't um, a, a an adventure of pleasure. They're in there for for one thing, and if wearing a watermelon True. gets in that thing, True. more power to them. Well, I'll tell you this much: one got away and one got caught, and the other one is not snitching on the other guy. So I guess he's going to continue to be free. So at least one of them got away. <laughs> I don't know. If this is a tragic story and I'm laughing, I apologize. <laughs> but only knowing that. Right. Like, oh. I don't know. How many people right now just pretend sure. that you are the kind of person who would rob a store with a watermelon on your head? Okay. okay? Whatever it takes to get you there. Sure. You're, you're that person. You have someone with you. You have an accomplice who does the same thing. Right. I would imagine it. people won't say, oh, God, it could have been anybody. The odds of there being two people who would do this that and decide on watermelons, it's got to be pretty easy to narrow down. Anyone who knows this guy would think so. knows exactly who the friend is that would have a watermelon on his head robbing a convenience store. You know what? That is true, right? These guys aren't think, doing a very yeah. good job. I don't, I don't get it. But now here's the most important question. Now, do you think they ate the watermelon when they hollowed it out or threw it away? <laughs> I really can't speak for them. I would have eaten it. I, right? In fact, it would have been impossible for me to um, to abstain from eating the watermelon. Oh my god! This is just so many things. I oh my god! I don't I don't even know. I don't know how else to end on this. But all I picture <laughs> is two grown ass men sitting around the table, looking at each other with scoopers, laughing. Ha ha! We're gonna get this place. <laughs> Something <laughs> right out of a cartoon. <laughs> You know, my diaper thing, I'm glad it wasn't that, oh. but at least, I don't know, somebody could think, I need a mask, here's a diaper, and five seconds later, the process is complete. But if they think, I need a mask, here are two watermelons, and here are two melon ballers, and we'll right. put down some newspaper, this is, it's, that's a project. That's what I mean, just go buy a ski mask, what's wrong with these guys? <laughs> Yeah, there's got to be. I don't know. I think maybe I'm coming around to your side. I think oh, they, they might be dumbasses. Thank you. <laughs> I'm still impressed. But they might no, be it is. Like you said, it be, it became something. It became something to do. Or how about this? Now, now I'm going. Now we're just breaking this down completely. Wow. What about if they were just eating watermelon and then they came to them after and they were like, "Fuck, we could use these as fucking disguises and get away with something." You know. I don't know if that makes it better or worse, but I can actually see that. I, I don't want to say see that being you know, oh. reasonable, but, <laughs> but I can see how that might happen. 
you're with your buddy oh. and you're both eating watermelon on the floor as you do <laughs> and, and one of you has this idea i i can see someone else just kind of going along with it right yeah right oh and especially if they spike it oh there you go now we're <laughs> that's it i broke the case wide open did that i, I think you did yeah there you it split is. that melon there it is <laughs> Oh, shit. Well, on that note, you've already plugged the websites where people could find you. What about socials? Any place where people could find you, interact with you that you want to share? Oh, yeah. If you, um, I, I don't really know offhand what the handles are, but if you <laughs> go on Twitter or Instagram, you there search you. for Noiseless Chatter, I'll pop up. Oh, there You'll you go. There's a little black and white robot that's my icon. Nice. And for myself, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, under Finger Styles. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, the podcast app. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast app at gmail.com. Rewind to the top of the show, support those fine sponsors because if it helps them out, helps me out. Click on the link below to go to my merchandise store, buy something nice there. And obviously rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms. All good, my friend? Did you have a good time? I did, yes. Thank you very much for having me. Perfect. On that note, make sure to pick up his book. He's Philip. I'm Steve. This is the podcast. Peace.